Hi, Art Supply Posse. It's Kim. I'm pleased to bring you today's guest. She has a way of documenting life that captures its inherent beauty, even when that beauty isn't necessarily obvious at first glance. Now, remember, if you love what we do and would like to support us, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash art supply posse and find out how for just $1 a month you can help keep the, keep the posse going. So, hello, Tina. Welcome to the posse. Hi, Kim. It's so nice to have you. I appreciate you taking your time, uh, taking the time out to have a chat with us or with me today. Um, you are, what part of the world are you in? You are in America, yes? Yes, I live in Seattle, Washington. That's right, Seattle, cool, nice. So are things slowly opening up for you guys over there yet or are we, how, we, how, is, how is the world of COVID looking in Seattle? Yeah, it's yeah, it is slowly opening up. Um, I'm I I'm finally fully vaccinated now, and I'm kind of Yay. stepping out <laughs> a little at <laughs> Thank you. Yes, yes, and it's been it's been great. Although I, you know, I'm still being pretty cautious, but you know, just doing a little thing, tiptoeing out a little yeah. at a time. <laughs> nice, nice. That's good to hear. So, so I'm curious to know. First question, I'm going to launch straight into it. And and uh, who is Tina Koyama? Because I didn't actually say your surname in that little introduction. I realised after I said that. So now I've used your surname in asking that question. So who are you, Tina? <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for that very nice introduction. That I'm, I'm flattered. I, I, I would like for people to see um, my work that way. So thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, I guess, um, well, who am I? Um, my background is all in writing. I, uh, I'm retired now, but my career was all mostly uh, marketing writing in corporate America. And later I worked as a freelancer. So that's um, kind of all done now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you are an urban sketcher or urban sketching is your love how did that come to be like how do you go from okay so you've retired okay that's that makes sense but were you sketching before you retired uh did sketching come afterwards when you were looking for something to fill your time with what's which is probably a cliche but anyhow I've just used it so how, how share with us how you came to be into uh, to, to urban sketching you know, um, because I was a writer, I, I don't have any background in art. Um, and but my whole adult life, I was I was interested in art, and I also wanted to learn how to draw. And I, I, you know, I'm a creative person, and I was doing lots of creative things, but drawing was something that I always wanted to do, and I never really could. So, you know, over the years, I kept trying, um, you know, I, I read a lot of books, how-to books, I took some classes. And uh, what happened is, is a lot of them are these um, boring exercises, you know, where they um, make you set up these little cubes and boxes or, or whatever. <laughs> and I, I wasn't inspired. And I, so I would, I would, quit and then I'd start again a few years later and I do I, I went through many cycles of this for years and years and years and um, there there was something about the subject matter just wasn't resonating and then finally um, about 10 years ago I started hearing about this thing called urban sketching and I started looking online and there were all these amazing sketches of that people have done just of their ordinary you know their neighborhoods not not necessarily the spectacular things uh, the 
tourist attraction kinds of things. These were just ordinary street scenes. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is finally resonating with me. This is what I want to do. And and I think the important part about finding something that resonated with me was that then I finally started practicing. I wanted to do it every day. And and I did. And 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 then I started to improve and that was really encouraging. And so then it became a habit and I've been drawing every day ever since then. So why do you think it resonated with you? Like what what is it specifically? Because you've said you've tr- you tried other forms of drawing. What specifically about and this is maybe too big a question, I'm not sure, but like what is it about urban sketching that pulls you in and made you go, yes, this is my thing? But not only that, why you keep at it? Like because, of course, I'm sure if you're a creative person, so you've probably tried other things that you enjoyed and just put them down eventually. Why? What is it, do you think, that just keeps you and sketching, urban sketching? Like what is it about it, do you think? Uh, part of it, I think, is just that this is about, um, it, it's very personal. It's all about um, me. This is about who I am, you know, where I live, just the little parts, you know, just the things I see every day. So that, that it's almost like just a diary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been a lifelong diary writer. So maybe it's just a, the visual extension of that, that this is how I express um, what I saw today. So that's part of it. But, you know, there's also this part that I, I don't know if everybody, other urban sketchers talk about this very much, but, you know, there there is sort of this um, urban sketching has a superpower, I call it. <laughs> and And that is that when you're standing out on the street and you sketch something, all of the memories and feelings and kind of the sensory perceptions about that experience, they get embedded as part of the sketch. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like years later, you look at that sketch and all of that comes with it. It's like, oh my gosh, I remember there was this noisy motorcycle that came by and, oh, and then there was that terrible smell from the such and such. And it was so windy that day. You know, you remember all that stuff and it's all like, part of the sketch it's a very interesting so i call that a superpower because i've i've tried to do this with a photograph like you know a photograph that i took myself at that same location and i have tried to draw that photograph and none of that comes with it so it is there is something very specific about standing there and experiencing it that is like unlike anything else I have done before. And, and that's what keeps me going because um, just all of the memories that are part of that. Do you have, do you have sketches and therefore the memories from them that really stick out into your mind as like perhaps not necessarily your most favourite sketch or your most favourite like experience of urban sketching, but are there some things that stay with you that and I do. I don't want the bad ones because we don't. We don't want to talk about the bad stuff. But like, <laughs> I'm sure there are probably you know conditions where the weather's awful or you know all sorts of things. But like, are there moments that you can look back on from say five years ago or or you know even just last week that that stay with you and and just you know give you that feeling and make you feel good about it and make you you know that, that keep spurring you on to keep sort of chasing that that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, there is. I mean, I I guess that's the whole day to day experience. You know, it's like every day becomes kind of the reinforcement for everything Mm -hmm. that comes after. So Mm -hmm. if I if I've had um, even if I haven't had necessarily a good experience, but there's something some sketch that I've done today, then tomorrow that, you know, that feeling is still there and I do it again. And so it's kind of this the ongoing uh, reinforcement. 
Do you ever, like, have you ever sketched that, and I guess it's hard to say the same scene because every single time you visit somewhere would be different because the light would be different, the weather would be different, different people on the streets or cars. Or, but, like, are there places you revisit and let's let's pretend we didn't have 18 months of not being able to go anywhere. But, like, are there places that you do find yourself going back to to just continue to capture them in different ways because you, you like them so much? Yes, I do. Um, I You know, like I, I sketch with my Urban Sketchers group here in Seattle, and we tend to go to the same places, at, you know, like once a year we'll revisit. And I, I will do that. I, I have sketched the same things over and over. But, you know, you mentioned about the pandemic and, you know, actually that was this whole past year, I have mostly been sketching in my own neighborhood. And mm-hmm. there have been f- certain things there that I sketched many times because it's exactly what you say. The light is different or or I'm different, you know, today yeah. I'm feeling a little more, um, you know, ambitious and I do, you know, more color or mm-hmm. another day I felt um, kind of insecure standing here because of whatever reason. And so the sketch isn't quite the same. So every time I do it, it there is a very different experience. Yeah. I love that. Like, I just love that, that recognition that you've just said about how your feeling impacts what you're creating. Like mm-hmm. I think we can often forget about that or, or not perhaps give it enough attention, but it really does make a difference, I find. Like all things, you know, if you could have the same controlled environment but not control you and how you feel, like your emotions and just your general, you know, feeling in the world on that day, that changes what you create. For the better or the worse, it doesn't really matter. It just is a fact. It just changes it. Absolutely. And also in, in terms of just my general development, uh, there's, there's this particular library in my neighborhood. Um, it's a Carnegie library and it's, uh, it's, it's a very classic building. We don't have too many classic buildings like that in, in my neighborhood. So for, um, maybe the first, I'd say, I haven't done it in the last few years, but the first maybe six or seven years that I was sketching, I sketched it once a year, um, around the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, from the same angle, I sat at the same bus stop shelter and sketched it from the exact same angle. And then it's so much fun to just compare them because I can see my own growth, uh, my skills developing. Uh, yep. But again, it's, it's exactly what you said. You know, some days were sunny, some were cloudy, um, just different, you know, weather or, or whatever it was. Um, I was feeling different. I used different media. It's really interesting and fun to just look at the whole series together. Yeah. So have you found like as you've as you've grown in terms of your ability and just your general knowledge as well like have you found yourself shifting from using one type of medium or you know using a certain type of medium and now perhaps you don't use that anymore or any as often and now you're now using something else like does that change for you as an artist or are you sort of do you stick to the same sort of supplies and that's just your that's your thing that's what you love to use and so that stays the same well you know that's a very good question because um when i first started uh urban sketching i i was looking at what everybody else was doing and the most common media it seemed to me um, just based on who uh, the people i was looking at was they were using ink with watercolor wash mm-hmm. and so i i don't know i kind of just got it in my head okay if you're gonna be an urban sketcher you have to do this and so that's what i i used um, for several years i used ink lines that i colored in with watercolor 
color. And, and I understand why a lot of sketchers like this because um, it's a very easy portable medium. Yeah. Um, however, you know, watercolor is like one of the hardest media to master. <laughs> I mean, really, I, I don't, it's very hard. I mean, to be good. You know, anybody can pick it up and use it, but to yes. really be good, watercolor yes. is very hard. Yeah. And then the other part about it is that um, you kind of, it's very hard to do it, use it standing up. And my favorite way of doing urban sketching is just standing up. I don't like to pull out a chair like some people do. I mean, I do it occasionally, mm -hmm. but um, I don't really like to sit down. I'm already short and I, <laughs> I want to be able to see. And then uh, it, it was very cumbersome to hold all that stuff and try yeah. to do it. Or so, so then that was kind of when I started thinking, well, there must be something easier, something that's going to be more, you know, I'm not really mastering watercolor this way. I'm not good at it anyway. Why don't I find something that fits more with what how I like to sketch? And that's kind of how I I broke into colored pencils. You know, colored okay. pencils have always been my true love and watercolor pencils now especially and I thought, you know, this is so much easier. I could do this standing up. It's so much easier and um that that that's really when I decided, you know, I, I, to find the way that I, the medium that fits the way I work. Yeah. So, yeah. It sounds like it sounds like the perfect thing. It's uh, and I mean, you know, we sometimes I suppose can be guilty of thinking, oh well, it's only a coloured pencil, right? Like, it's not a tube of oil paint or mm -hmm. you know whatever. But oh my goodness, there is so much available to you when you use coloured pencils. Like, it's not mm -hmm. only the different shades if you because I've got I've got one of those big set three you know three sheet sets of um Faber-Castell watercolors and there's just so many colors and yeah and you're, you know your mind can be blown by just that but yes even stepping away from having you know 72 different pencils with you there is so much you can get out of a colored pencil which I think a lot of people just don't think about. I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I just think it's just like, oh, yeah, because maybe what it is is it's a thing of when we're at school, primary school, you know, we, we and when we're children, we have coloured pencils, right? They're always there. They're easily available to our parents. They can buy them cheaply for us and, you know, that sort of thing. So maybe we sort of tend to think, well, it's not quite as good as a medium to work with, but you only have to look at the work you produce or anyone else for that matter who specialises in using colored pencils to see just what depth and range you can get from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's kind of an underrated medium and I, you know, there's um, there, there are these um, national international color pencil groups where artists are color pencil artists are using it almost like paintings to make paintings. Mm -hmm. And I know they, they have a hard time getting um, the same degree of respect in the art world that, you know, it is kind of just, it's burdened by this uh, baggage of being just a kid's medium and not a professional medium. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think that's too bad that people look at things that, you know, in order to be considered art, it has to be hanging on a wall with, you know, on canvas with oil on it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, for me, of course, I, I'm, it's not, I, I'm not um, worried about the result anyway. I, I'm not framing my work and hanging it on the wall anyway. I, I, I'm just a sketcher. I keep it in my sketchbook. It's just for me. So I don't really care what I use. It's all about, for me, something to be um, 
convenient and and portable and all of that. And the other thing is, I always um, a, a lot of times beginners will ask me, you know, oh, what should I? How should I start? What kind? What should I use? Um, should I get watercolors? Should I get color pencils? What should I get? And I what what I always tell them is, you know, start with whatever you're most comfortable with and what mm-hmm. you already have, you know, because I think there's just so much to learn about urban sketching and drawing and feeling comfortable with standing out on the street and being in public and sketching that you don't need to be burdened by the medium. It, it's better to just get right into it. You know, if, if all you know is a ballpoint pen or a pencil, go ahead, just use those and just get comfortable with being out on the street and doing it. And then later you can always add back in, you know, whatever medium you want based on your interests, but give it some time to um, just figure out what it is that you like. And, and I, I think that was where, um, I learned that myself just because I, I realized I spent a lot of time trying, struggling with watercolor and trying to be good at it at the same time that I was learning to draw, at the same time that I was trying to get comfortable standing around on the street. You know, it's a lot to do. Yeah. So if you have a low maintenance medium at first, especially, it, I think it really helps to support the actual act of drawing. Absolutely. So do you have like, do you have a, like a aside from the actual supplies that you have with that you use all the time and this might sound like a weird question but it did it just did come to mind do you like are there things you need to make sure that you're wearing that you're comfortable in for example like and I'm just thinking of all the various situations you might find yourself sketching like do you need to be and these are things that perhaps people don't necessarily think about but like you need comfortable shoes and comfortable clothing and maybe a hat if it's a sunny out like you know like are these things that you sort of I know they're not art supply related per se but to me they do kind of seem a little bit important as well is to make sure you're comfortable in what you're wearing so as it doesn't get in the way either like I'm sure there'd be nothing worse than being at this most beautiful place you want to sketch but being so uncomfortable or so hot or so cold that you can't produce anything really. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and we, you know, that, yes, we talk about that a lot, you know, that you have to be prepared for the weather. Um, you know, if it's sunny, wear your sunscreen, wear a hat, you know, do whatever you need to do. And, and or, you know, here in Seattle, the weather changes pretty quickly, too. So you have to be dressed in layers. Um, you know, it, you, you have to bring your raincoat if it looks like if it's cloudy, it's going to mm-hmm. rain, you know, you have to have all that just in case. And, and I think um, that might be something that a lot of people don't even think about you know it, it's not being all comfy in your studio um so you do have to be prepared for those kinds of things yes good i'm glad i asked because i'm like hmm, i wonder if <laughs> oh yeah in fact you know i i uh, have several bags my favorite bags that i use and some of them are made out of waterproof fabric and some of them are made out of you know summertime fabric <laughs> Yep. And I have lots of different sizes for different purposes. <laughs> it's important. All that stuff is is really important because they're all the things that support you and make it easier to sketch. I mean, to me, it's all about, you know, carry the things and have the things that are going to make it easier for you to sketch. Because if you find yourself not doing it because, oh, you know, that there's some something that's getting in your way, that's anything that gets in your way it, is is a detriment to producing 
art. Yeah, <laughs> That's the way absolutely. I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So, so that being the case, like, what what would be what is in your sketching kit? Like, and how often does it change? Oh, uh, it changes in that I. I have a bad habit of just adding more and more and more to the bag <laughs> and then it gets heavier and heavier. And then at some point I realize I think about once a year in usually at the turn of the new year, mm-hmm. I will look at my bag and I'll say, oh, my gosh, how, why am I carrying all this stuff? So then I go on this little minimal, minimal, uh, I call it my little minimalism exercise, minimalism <laughs> challenge. And I dump everything out of the bag and then I put back in only the things that I I see are essential um, and, in, and then I just do that for like a month I just I keep it really really spare um, <laughs> eventually things creep back in I don't know it just it seems like it just always happens but um, yeah. it's good to do to just minimize once in a while so what's in there exactly Right now, uh, well, pretty much my basic kit is is I carry about 20 colors of of colored pencils, a water brush, um, usually a graphite, a soft graphite pencil, um, maybe a graphite pencil that's also water soluble, um, a one, uh, it's a, uh, it's a Unipin marker with a brush tip on it mm-hmm. um that is pretty much it um sometimes i'll i'll decide i want to i feel like doing ballpoint pen and i'll do some ballpoint pen but that's pretty much the basic kit right there yeah and what about the surfaces you work on like how does how do sketchbooks work for you do you start a new sketchbook and you work in that sketchbook exclusively until it's finished or are you a grab a different one depending on the day your mood the situation Whatever. I try to stay in one sketchbook as long as I can. Um, and, and I did go through quite a bit of <laughs> trauma and angst trying to find that perfect sketchbook. And, you know, for many years, I was binding my own sketchbooks because I was so fussy about, you know, paper and all that. And I, I enjoyed that for a while. But ultimately, I, I decided that I would rather spend my time sketching than making the sketchbook. So I stopped yep. doing that. And right now, my, my favorite, for, my favorite for a long time has been Stillman and Burn, and uh, the beta paper is my favorite because it's just toothy enough that it, it, it picks up colored pencil really nicely, but it's also heavy enough for when I apply water. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of my favorite right now. Um, I do have other sketchbooks that I use uh, for spe- special things, um, but I yeah, I, I really try not to jump around because I, I do like kind of that, um, the continuity, the chronological continuity, you know, in terms of thinking of it like my day to day diary kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I do like that. And I, I can't always stick to it. But um, when I travel, I, I, I make a dedicated sketchbook just for that trip. That's really yeah. special to me. Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely thing to do. So, so what do you do? Like, you're saying you're, these are kind of like, in some ways, a, um, a visual journal for you, a record of, of, of your life and of your days. What happens to those sketchbooks when they're finished? And and then do you, assuming you keep them, do you re- at all, just to even just look at them? 
I do look at them occasionally, but not really, um, not not like on a regular basis. It's really more about uh, reference, like, uh, oh, when did I do that thing? And I kind of have a sense of, you know, like just looking at the cover, I'll, I'll sort of remember that, oh, I think it was in this period. And then I'll thumb through it and I'll find it. And I'll say, oh, yeah. And then sometimes like on the bottom, I'll have some little note that I wrote to myself and it kind of jiggers some other, you know, memories. And then and then it kind of leads and then I think about other things. So, yeah, it's, it's a very good reference. Um, otherwise, I also like to, um, every now and then, I'll look back to my really, really old sketches, like the first year I was sketching. And those are always kind of precious and fun to me because I feel like, wow, this is, you know, this was, um, I was pretty vulnerable during my first year or two. And mm-hmm. I was looking at all this that I did. And it, it kind of brings me back to that that uh, real beginner um person that I was and I kind of I kind of feel protective of that person and and you know she was pretty brave I mean she was doing some stuff (laughs) I don't know if I had um if I would have the courage you know there's there's a story I like to tell that um during that um the first few months if you can believe this the first few months that I started sketching I uh, went on a little kind of a long weekend trip and we were out of town and I found this gorgeous leather cover sketchbook. It was $165 and it was bound in leather, handmade. It was gorgeous. I bought that because I decided it was going to be the way that I was going to stick to my commitment of sketching. If I bought this sketchbook that cost $165 <laughs> and I, I, I would feel so bad if I wasted it, like not didn't use it. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to fill this whole sketchbook. And then by the time I finish it, I'll have embedded, you know, a permanent habit. And um, that was pretty, you know, gutsy of me. I'm not sure I could do that now. <laughs> and that's why I commend myself um, back then because I, I was pretty brave and I did. I filled the whole sketchbook and it's one of my, it's, it's one of the things I like to look through the most because it really brings me back to that time of, of being um, so new. Everything was so fresh and new and I didn't know what I was doing. And uh, it's really very fun to look through. Yeah. I mean, well done you for, for finishing it, you know. Gosh, that's, um, <laughs> if nothing else, that just deserves to be applauded because so many people, we just buy a new sketchbook and start it or, or nothing, whatever. And <laughs> Three pages in, my goodness. I mean, I've never spent that much on one, but I can think of the the things I've, you know, started over the years and for whatever reason just went, nah, and they're st- I don't know whether they've been or recycled or I don't know where they've gone, but my goodness, <laughs> you, you deserve a medal for that. If nothing else, that's impressive. <laughs> oh, dear. Maybe it was the amount of money that was drilled into your brain. I was like, this cannot be wasted. This is a lot Absolutely. of money. <laughs> it was. And I thought, oh my gosh, I, I mean, I, I would be so embarrassed and ashamed to have this, you know, brand new notebook sitting on my shelf with nothing in it. I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, look, it worked. Whatever whatever works, I guess. Whatever works, yes. <laughs> yes. So now you also have a blog where you share your artwork and, I mean, not just your artwork, your reviews and, and all sorts of things on there. Why are the two tied together? Well, you know, I think it's it started because um, I'm a writer by trade, so writing comes very, very easily to me. And in fact, writing is much more easy for me than 
drawing is. And so that became kind of just a natural extension to it. And, you know, at the time that I started my blog was right about the time everybody was declaring that blogging is dead. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, well, wait a second, I'm, I'm only just now getting started. I'm just going to keep doing this. And part of it was that I, I was frustrated with um, social media that, you know, you just post the sketch, but it's really kind of cumbersome to actually write very much. And I always felt like, well, I kind of want to say more than just, you know, a sentence. I kind of have a few more things to say about the sketch. And so blogging for me, it was that it gave, it, it gives me the opportunity to tell the full story, uh, which, you know, it's the pictures and the words and they kind of reinforce each other. Um, so that's part of it. But the other part of the reason I started the blog was that I wanted to document my own creative process. It was, it was one, it it struck me as this, uh, a unique opportunity in my life in that, you know, I, I had tried other things in my life or, or started new things in my life, learned things, you know, like my whole career, I learned new things, but now it's like, there's really no documentation of that. And I thought, well, Mm -hmm. this is a really good opportunity. Uh, So about six months into when I after I started sketching, I started the blog and and basically just started blogging regularly, very regularly. And over time, if you look back, you know the ten years or however long I've been sketching or sketching and blogging, there's now there's this this whole record online of my uh, process and how I've progressed over the years, things I've tried, things I've learned, things I stopped doing. Um, I think that's really, I, I think it was just a unique opportunity for me to do that because I don't have that many things where I've been able to start from the very beginning and keep going. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's a fascinating insight into someone learning a new skill and growing and having delved back into when I was doing some research delved back into some of the older posts and things it is just it's wonderful to see it and and you're right in in some ways it's like it's like a little piece of history like it's it's your piece of history but also others that are also interested in learning urban sketching can follow it and 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 get their own insights from it too which is just fantastic yes and that has actually been uh, a really a rewarding part of the blogging process that I didn't really think about that much when I started. And that's that, you know, people will occasionally contact me and say, oh, Tina, I just started sketching and your blog is inspiring me to keep going. I look at where you started and I look at where you are now. And I, I think, oh, that's, you know, that, that really means a lot to me because I feel like, um, to be able to help somebody that way is awesome. I, I mean, I, it wasn't really my intention. I th- I thought, you know, if that was a benefit, that would be great. But it wasn't my intention to, you mm. know, to teach anybody or to help anybody necessarily. It was just a documentation of my own process. And to think that this is helpful to somebody else is really wonderful. You know, like I'll get comments from something I did, you know, I wrote you know, five, 10 years ago. And I think, oh my gosh, somebody's still reading about that thing that I did. You know, it, it's yeah. it's kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah. And and in some ways it's kind of like you recording your process and, and everything is also a, a form of teaching, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not necessarily what you were planning, were doing, but people being able to read about what worked and what didn't work or why you use this thing and not that thing. In some ways that's also just like a little teaching aid too. Yes. And I hope also just just the fact that, um, you know, you can see my progress over the years because, you know, one of the 
probably the most asked question I get from beginners is, you know, they, they want to know how to get started. They, they want to, they, they, what's the magic, you know, what's, what's the secret Tina to keep on doing this. And I always say, you know, there's, there is no secret. It's just doing it uh, every day regularly or not necessarily every day, but regularly so that you get practice and, and the practice is reinforcing, you know, you get better and you see that and that's what encourages you to keep going. And there's really no substitute for that. It's, it's not a secret formula. And, uh, and the problem is that if you, if you haven't been doing it very long, you have no past. You can't see that progress mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I would hope that, you know, if you, if somebody saw what I was doing 10 years ago and look at it, what I'm doing now, they think, oh, you know, if you keep going, stuff changes and, and you get better. Gee, <laughs> you do get better. And I hope that is encouraging to people because it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, when I was doing it, um, or as I do it every day, I don't see that you know, my own progress necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's only if you go back. And I also tell people, you know, there are lots of people um, who they throw their old stuff away because they say, oh, it was ugly and I didn't want to look at it anymore. So I threw it away. Well, how are you ever going to know that you got better if you don't keep the old stuff, right? Yeah. I find that so, it's so encouraging to myself to see the old stuff because then I realize, oh, well, I did learn something over that time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree anymore. So so let's say we had some somebody who wants to get into to urban sketching, a beginner, but they don't actually, for whatever reason, they don't have any art supplies at all. Let's just pretend that person exists. <laughs> what what should they what should they purchase to get them started? And it doesn't necessarily have to be brands, it can simply be a case of, you know, actual supplies but what what should they be looking for and what you know what should they yeah what should they buy what should they start with well, I think it's um, kind of what I mentioned earlier that whatever they're the most comfortable with, that's what I would recommend. And, you know, the, there's um, kind of um, the, the comfort level, you know, like, um, like oh, for example, fountain popular with Urban Sketchers and there's a whole bunch of information about, you know, different food you know, nibs and everybody loves the food and nibs, which I do too. I love food and nibs. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of this whole cult around, you know, getting these different kind of fountain pens. And, and, and so then there's these people who have never sketched before and they're already, um, you know, compulsively shopping for just the perfect sh- fountain pen. And, you know, fountain pens are really high maintenance as yeah. far as sketching gear goes. And I, and then, you know, they're struggling with how to fill the thing and they're doing all this stuff and it's not, they're not drawing. They're no, worrying they're about not. how to fill <laughs> so that's why that's why I always say, you know, before you get that fancy fountain pen, why don't you just use your ballpoint pen or whatever it is you're carrying in your purse already, use that because that's something that you're already comfortable. You know, the thing that you write your grocery list with, that's probably a pretty comfortable tool for you. Just start with that and just get some ordinary pad of paper, some cheap paper, not not a nice expensive sketchbook. <laughs> don't don't spend, you know, $160. <laughs> just get something really cheap cheap like um something that you would you wouldn't care about throwing away so that that way you know you if you mess it up you don't like it just turn the page and you won't feel like um you know you wasted this good paper i I mean that's the other thing is that there are some people who uh really don't want to buy good expensive art materials because oh i'm not good enough i'm gonna wait till i get better before i buy you know well if you're gonna worry about that then just don't use it don't don't buy anything like that just use really cheap 
you know, mm-hmm. big pens and ordinary yep. ballpoint pens that you steal from the, you know, the hotel, <laughs> the hotel room, <laughs> those, and then really throw away paper because that's going to make you practice because you'll just burn through it. And that's, yeah. that's the best way to start. Definitely. So, so was there any particular, like aside from realizing watercolors weren't for you when it comes to urban sketching, was there anything specific that sort of upped your game, like made, made your life easier perhaps when you were sketching or it was just a better, you just noticed it was a better supplier, it was producing better results for you? Like does that sort of thing, did that does that exist at all as a, as a thing for you or? Well, I'm not sure if this is quite the answer exactly, but I'll I'll, I'll just mention it. And mm. that's it. You know, when I was working with watercolor um, for several years, um, the, there was kind of this the, a lot of discussion about brushes and and getting good brushes and 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 for real watercolor painters, I think brushes are important. Yeah. And the you know the the plastic uh, kind of water brushes that you you know they're filled with water inside mm-hmm. and they they kind of have those crappy nylon brushes. So that was kind of poo pooed by people mm-hmm. who use um, water real watercolors and I and I don't think they're good for painting with watercolors. But on the other hand, they're perfect for watercolor pencils. Yeah. And and so when people ask me, um, you know, to recommend a good brush, um, that's what I use. That's what I've been using for many, many years. And I, I find it to be the best. And so I, I guess my uh, my advice to people would be that if others poo-poo it, that's okay. Just if it works for you, just use it because that's working right for you. And, and maybe that's kind of the overarching uh, general philosophy is that if um, – just because other people aren't using it, if it's working for you, then it's the right thing for you to use. Yeah, completely, 100% agree. I would give you a hug if I could. That is <laughs> something that I think we all need to remember is yes, if it works for you, then use it and ignore the naysayers. Just, just yeah, yeah. Yeah, so true. It's so so true. Whatever works for you, whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess it's the same as whatever art you're making. You know, if you like to work with a ballpoint pen, then use that. Like, it just doesn't matter. Who cares what other people think as long as it's making you happy? Exactly, happy, and also it makes you draw more. So, to me, anything that that's going to encourage you to do it more is better than the thing that discourages you. Absolutely, absolutely. So, do you have like? Is there anything that, or anyone perhaps, that inspires you? Oh, people, you mean? Well, yeah, people, or even things. I know some people just get find themselves more inspired by a scenery or you know a particular place necessarily more than people but then again I know some people get really inspired by people they work with or people they look up to like what what what's inspiration like for you well, uh, for urban sketching, it's kind of interesting. You know, there's um, there's all these gorgeous places in the world that, you know, kind of make you, you know, your jaw drops. So you see the, the beautiful sketches of, you know, the Eiffel Tower, the Taj Mahal, mm-hmm. and you think, 
like, oh my gosh, that's so inspiring. And there, there is, they are, of course, inspiring on some level. But I actually find that for, for me personally, what really inspires me, my urban sketching is seeing sketches that other people have done of really ordinary, mundane views, you know, the mm-hmm. things that they see every day on the street. Yeah. And they are the ones who, um, who, turn those ordinary views into something really extraordinary. Those are the ones I really admire and that I am inspired by because that's what I I want to do. I want to be able to sketch, you know, a garbage can or um, a utility pole and make it interesting for somebody else who has never seen that particular garbage can or... Yep. It's totally cool. So there, I think there's a lot kind of a, um, there's an extra challenge to that. You know, like if you sketch the Eiffel Tower, that's probably pretty special in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And so you don't even have to work that hard, right? You're just going to do the Eiffel Tower. But if you're sketching um, the garbage can in the alley, you have to work a little bit harder to find an interesting composition or what was it about this particular moment that, you know, struck me as, as visually interesting in some way. You have to work a little bit harder and and I think that's what gives it the spark because you had to work you had to make that effort to find whatever it was that was interesting absolutely I you just had, uh, oh, I have a friend who she was in Singapore and I think now she lives in Hawaii but I we we were messaging each other and I was walking my dogs one morning and took this lovely sort of sunrise photo but only of the just general scenery that I look at all the time, like, you know, nothing that you would put on a postcard. And I sent it to her and she had so many questions just based off that and because, of course, my my area is completely different to her area and it suddenly mm-hmm. made me realise how much you take for granted what you look at all the time. Like it's my world so it's not exciting but it is for someone who doesn't live here. It's fascinating. Absolutely. Nothing else, yeah. Yes. And, and I, I have, um, you know, people that I look at on, on Instagram, they live in places that I have never visited before. And they give me a real sense of not where the tourists are going to hang out, but mm-hmm. where they live, what the kinds of things where, you know, every day they come home from work and this is what they see. That's, that's so interesting to me and gives me such a greater sense of that person also, you know, where they live and just their neighborhood. And I, I find that fascinating. Yeah, yeah, so do I. So is there anything that you, like, avoid sketching? Is, you know, any kind of (laughs) scenes or any kind of, you know, is there something you just wouldn't sketch, you just don't sketch because you just don't like it? Well, you know, there's always some subjects that are harder for me than others, you know, like like architecture and cars are always much harder for me than like people or trees or, you know. So I I kind of, um, but I... Very early on, I I decided I was not going to be the kind of person who says, "Oh, I never do people because they're you know so hard," or "I never do architecture because that's I don't I can't do perspective." I didn't want to be that, so I, I like to be a very a generalist. I don't want to be a specialist. I don't want to mm-hmm. be the person who only sketches you know trees or only sketches cars. I I, I want to be able to sketch anything I want to. So I do try to push myself. Like if I find if I sense that I'm resisting, like oh that's too hard, I think I won't do it then I kind of do make myself do it because I think it means that I need the practice. Yep. <laughs> so I, I do try and, and, you know, and, and it does help. I mean, I, I get like, I, I, 
cars are really hard for me. And so I, I do try to do more cars. And the thing is that they're unavoidable. You know, if you're an urban <laughs> sketcher everywhere, so you might as well just face it because otherwise you've got this whole street with no cars on it, which makes no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Maybe that's the dream, no cars. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious to know, you said during, you know, during the pandemic, you were, of course, limiting your travels, obviously, because you're a good person and you're doing the right thing. Did you find yourself actually documenting anything in your home? Like I have seen, obviously, and done a little bit of myself, you know, documenting your actual life within your home during that period. Did you find yourself doing any of that sort of thing as well? Um, not as much as a lot of urban sketchers did. I, I did do a little bit of that, but, uh, this is where I, I am not at all inspired by my own home. <laughs> I, I, I did not actually, what I, what I did a lot more of was, um, you know, my husband and I just for exercise, because we couldn't go to the gym or do all mm -hmm. of our normal things. We started walking in our own neighborhood and it's, it's kind of a four by 10 block area because it's bordered on, on those four sides by either the freeway or some major arterials. So without crossing the major arterials, there's a mm -hmm. nice, little area that's very very quiet there's hardly any cars there's hardly any pedestrians and we we walk those streets every single day just for exercise and so this is what became kind of my my daily challenge you know is that this is the same old street i see every day nothing yep. changed nothing yep. exciting how do i find how do i make this interesting how do i make it interesting both for myself and maybe somebody who looks at it but also here i am again the same street again today <laughs> just like today so that that becomes kind of the, the the diary then right it's like yeah. yes I this yesterday and I'm here today but look today it's cloudy so it looks different and oh now the trees are starting to get more leaves on it mm -hmm. and I when I look back at those I see all the seasonal changes I see that the the trees change colors or the trees lost their leaves or um, now there's flowers and that part is it becomes a, a a real documentation then of the passage of time absolutely yeah Definitely. And, and I think it's exciting and it's challenging and it's, but it's good, you know, to be able to see those differences and just subtle as they may be sometimes, you know, it's nice that you're able to just document them anyway. And, and it sounds like a really lovely thing to do every day during lockdown or, or, mm -hmm. or you know, the pandemic. That sounds glorious. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Nice. So is there anything else, Tina, anything else you want to talk about? Have we, how are you feeling? Have we covered enough? Is there anything we forgot you wanted to mention or? Oh, well, I'll just, I mean, since this is the Art Supply Posse podcast, I will yeah. just talk uh, a little, I'll just geek out here just for oh, yeah, a moment. Oh, yeah, go for it. Yes. Yes. Sorry, my bad. Yes, indeed, you will get, yes, all the geeking. Let's do some geeking. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, having looked on your website oh my goodness all the supplies what on earth do you do with them all i i just the photos of, of of these cups of pencils and i'm just looking at them in envy and and just my goodness uh yeah i i'm probably a little bit um going overboard in terms of my supplies <laughs> but part of it as you've noted it you know Color pencils for me are, kind of go beyond art supplies in that I just really love them aesthetically. Yeah. So a lot of them are just more like home decor. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just love to put them in bait, like even the ones that are kind of crappy and I don't ever use them. I just love the way they look. So I put them in these vases and cups and I put them around my house and it's really more, they serve the purpose of decoration. So there is that. Um, I, of course, I have all my favorites and, you know, they're in, they kind of have a different you know, I, those are the ones I use, but there's a yeah. whole bunch of them that I never use because they're not very good. And then I have my whole uh, vintage collection. I, I also yeah. collect vintage, vintage colored pencils, which is kind of a specialty of vintage pencils in general. And, um, that? that fascinates me. I don't, I barely know anything about the vintage pencil world, but it fascinates me no end. How on earth how? Why? What? I need. I, we need to know. We need to know a little bit about it. It's just amazing to me that it exists as a thing. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I like old things in general, but the way that I came about collecting, I have to credit Anna Reinert. You know, mm -hmm. she she um, kind of really turned me. She on her blog, she talked a little bit about vintage color pencils. And early on, when I, you know, I, I'm a guest um, reviewer for her, mm -hmm. and early on, several years ago, when I first started writing for her, she sent me some vintage colored pencils and said something about, you know, this is part of colored pencil history. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's a thing. I could collect vintage colored pencils. And oh my gosh. And then, you know, eBay, then, then it was the deep rabbit hole and yeah. oh well, yeah, I went down deep. So, so that is definitely, um, and, and I've kind of slowed down, um, just recently because I, I realize I have to, you know, uh, I have to, <laughs> I have to live in this house too, and they're starting to take over the space. <laughs> so there's, there's that. Um, but I, I just, okay, there's one story I do want to talk about, um, just because it kind of gives, um, the depth of my, um, personal history with colored pencils. And that's mm -hmm. it. I have this very, um, fond early memory uh, my mother had this uh you know those colored pencils where there's one color on one side and another color on the oh, other yeah. side yes so my mother had one that was green on one end and orange on the other hand and then she had a string tied in the middle and the other end of the string was tied to the telephone cord in the kitchen <laughs> and she used that you know for her grocery list or if somebody called you know she would make a note with that and I didn't know what kind of color pencil that was or anything about it and and then um, just a few years ago, kind of in the middle of my um, starting to get involved in collecting vintage colored pencils, I was on eBay and I saw them. And I, I, yes, it's called the Empire Sunset Dual Color. I bought that set so fast. I thought, oh my gosh, this is it. You know, it's got these white stripes around it. I knew immediately that that's, and you know, we're talking my childhood. This is from yeah. like the mid mid-60s. So that is a very old pencil. And oh my gosh, that was so nostalgic for me. And but see, part of the, the, this kind of ties into the whole, you know, the reason why we collect vintage stuff is that this stuff has um, the stuff, vintage stuff that has personal history has so much more meaning. And that um, it, it's so interesting to me that something like a pencil can you know evoke so much childhood kind of just remembering that whole thing being in my mother's kitchen and the way it was tied to the telephone cord all that stuff it just yeah. it all comes back uh, yeah I think that's reason enough to collect anything if it evokes that kind of memory you know <laughs> absolutely absolutely oh yeah <laughs> 
Yes, just the conjuring. <laughs> just when you're saying the string attached to the phone. Oh, yes. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I can see a rabbit hole coming up in my life. Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> but it is. You're welcome. <laughs> the funny thing about it, though, is, and again, it's getting back to that whole people not taking coloured pencils seriously as an art mm-hmm. medium. It is such an part of I would say most people's lives at one stage or another they've used coloured pencils so it's just like a natural thing to want to use it in your daily art practice but also to just have all those memories evoked as soon as you come across the same pencil you had as you were a child like I know I didn't look at um, pencils that I in fact I sometimes find you know pencils that I must have had as a teenager or something and they've I don't know where they end up, how you how they disappear out of your life, but every now and again you find them and you're like, oh, I remember using this. Like I would scribble all sorts of things with this and it's such a powerful memory jogger. Like it's just amazing that something as simple as a pencil can produce so much memories in you. Absolutely. And I think it's because, you know, it's a very analog tool, you know, it's not the same as anything digital. It's something that you hold in your hand and it's got a tactical feel, uh, you know, a tactical uh, presence and you know how thick it was and or if it was scratchy or even the sound of it on paper. And, and, you know, the other part of it is some of these these colored pencils that we use as kids were really pretty terrible. I mean, like (laughs) you really don't want to draw with them now. I mean, you realize now that they're pretty crappy and like hard any pigment like this pencil I'm talking about with the orange on one end and green on the other when I got that set I thought oh my gosh these are like the worst pencils in the world they had no pigment at all purely nostalgia and not for use so there is kind of that because I think if somebody had that you know that memory of oh those are terrible those are sucky I'm not going to use those in my art you know if they have that that memory of it then it's not so great but it's then making the jump okay I loved this as a child I use this as a child and now there are better ones that you know contain better pigment Mm -hmm. it's not that far of a leap then you can it's an easy transition and and speaking of that sort of thing like and I don't know perhaps whether you did or you didn't but when you were were younger and I know you weren't drawing then but was there ever like say a set or a brand of pencil that you were really keen to 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 buy and try and use but you know you couldn't afford it or it wasn't available to you where you lived and now you've you know, like a grail pencil, like you've now been able to, I'm an adult now in the world and I have more money available to me and now I can buy this thing. Like, is that something you've ever experienced? <laughs> well, that's not really of the, something that I use now, but when I was a kid, I always wanted that great big box of Crayola crayons with the 64 <laughs> colors. And, yeah. uh, you know, and that was like two, like no kid needs 64 colors of crayons. <laughs> but that was, but then that sort of, because I couldn't have it, I think that kind of led to me now and that I, I must have every yeah. color, yeah. <laughs> you know, and by God, I can afford it. I'm going to buy it myself. <laughs> no one's going to tell me I can't have it and tell me that I, I don't need all 64 colors. Okay. I need all 64 yes, colors. Do. Absolutely. You do. I mean, isn't that one of the good things about adulthood is we can Absolutely. make these decisions. We yes. don't have to 
ask mum and dad to buy us, you know, beg and plead and, you know, it's my birthday, it's Christmas, all those things. You can just buy it now. You're an adult. (laughs) You bet. And I don't feel guilty about it either. (laughs) No, definitely not. Definitely not. So are there, like, I'm curious to know, are there specific brands that you've found that perhaps are more suited to your sketching than than something you know than another or is it more just a case of the materials themselves like just the fact you're using pencils oh I tried a lot I mean as you know from my blog I've tried a lot of different ones and I really love Karen Dash Mm -hmm. yeah their colored pencils are really super good and the 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 museum aquarelles which are super expensive and I don't really recommend them to people you know because they're so expensive but they really are are a step above most most other products i've tried i love them yeah cool it's a it's a brand i haven't yet tried for anything and i think mostly it's been well for me it's harder to get i don't have to buy them online i don't believe there's any because i'm only in a small town so there's probably i don't think there's anyone that would sell them locally but also their price point like it's just you know, as part of the problem of being living in Australia is it's I, honestly everything is so much more expensive. Yeah. But they are just not cheap. Like I was just looking online last night to buy myself some more oil pastels and I was looking at trying out some of the Karen Dash and I'm like, oh, it's just they're that much more expensive and I don't know if it's that much more better than what I've got. Like, do you know what I mean? It's that thing of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. I know it is expensive. It's, it's expensive everywhere. And, and, you know, a lot of it is their own brand. You know, I, yeah. I actually think that, you know, like some of their other products that, you know, they're probably not that much better than something else. Um, and like, I don't like their graphite pencils at all. They're, I'm not a fan of the graphite at all. So it, it's, it's pretty specific to colored pencils that I like of Karen Dash mm-hmm. and, you know, pens i've tried i have a couple pens and they're they're okay but are they really that much more you know that much better than i don't know so a lot of that is just the name i think you're paying for yeah and i think that's probably one of the good things though about having such a large collection of of supplies is that you are trying a variety of brands and and materials and things to work out what does work for you Yes, and I did want to mention um, because you had asked, you had mentioned this in one of your questions about um, what I do with all of the what oh, all yes. my yeah. I, there. I do donate a lot of this, like the stuff that I know that I don't want to use anymore. You know, or I never like them, or I don't want to use anymore, or or whatever, or, mm-hmm. or I just have too many. I donate them to a couple of stores, local stores, where they uh, sell them. And then they also uh, give them to kids who are um, kind of these free classes that they give to kids art classes. So I feel really good about that. I I feel like, okay, then at least I'm not just, um, you know, amassing tons of stuff (laughs) to keep in my house. I'm actually helping out other people. So that's how I rationalize it. (laughs) That's lovely. And you're not hoarding. So even better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Well, I am hoarding, but that's only, you know, not all of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no, that's that is a lovely thing to do, though. I, I like the idea of them going to kids, particularly. Uh, you could be kickstarting someone else's, you know, creative life, which is just lovely to think about. I hope so. Yeah. Cool. So, anything else? How are we? How are you feeling, Tina? I think we've. Oh, it's been a lovely chat. Yes, thank you so much. I I have had so much fun talking to you. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I'm so glad that we got ourselves sorted. This little technical issue we had is uh, 
in the past now because it's been great. Yes. I I must ask uh, you to share with everyone where they can find you, give them your blog, you know, address and Instagram or wherever, like where do people go if they want to find out more about you? Okay, my blog is at tinakoyama.com, and it's just my name. And then on Instagram, I'm Miata Girl, M-I-A-T-A-G-R-R-L. So that's a very 90s uh, (laughs) moniker. Still drive my 1996 Miata, still. And so back then, uh, back in the 90s, when everything was a this girl or a that girl, I gave myself that. I used that for a lot of things, and I still use it. And some people think, oh, that's such a nice throwback. Well, not really. I'm... I'm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what it was when I when I was back then, and I still am, obviously. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I do love that. Oh my goodness, I do love that. That's just fantastic that you still drive that car. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you, Tina. Thank you so much once again. I really do appreciate you taking the time. Um, thank you, Kim. Such a nice chat.